Hi, this is Dan from Creators Design Media. I'm the uh, writer and producer of Servants of the Secret Fire and just wanted to take a second to uh, make an ask of you. Uh, we don't ask for much on this uh, show. We hope you're enjoying Servants of the Secret Fire, but one thing you can do for us is head on over to iTunes and give us a review. Uh, hopefully the best review you can. What this does is uh, promote our podcast and uh, tell us the search engine of iTunes that we are there and that uh, people are watching and following and enjoying it and uh, raises our visibility to uh, our audience. And so if you would just take a couple minutes as a favor to uh, Alyssa and I, head on over to iTunes, search for Servants of the Secret Fire, and uh, give us the best review you can. Uh, of course, listen to the podcast first and uh, enjoy it and uh, join the journey with us and then you can give the best review you can. Thanks a lot and uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Servants of the Secret Fire. Welcome to Servants of the Secret Fire. Episode 15, Passing, brought to you by Creators Design Media. This episode is voice acted by Alyssa Sanford and written and produced by Daniel C. Sanford. To find more episodes of Servants of the Secret Fire, please look us up on iTunes, Servants of the Secret Fire. September 10th, 2012, 7.42 a.m. Hickory Grove, Wisconsin, Mercy Hospital, ICU. Jed's right foot, which had been resting on the hospital room's elevated counter, suddenly slipped off the side and hit the tile floor with a loud smack as he jerked awake at the sound of his ringing iPhone. He had spent the entire night at Sage's bedside, much to the chagrin of both the sheriff's deputy who, grudgingly, had given him permission, and Naomi, who, decidedly, had not given him permission. A strange combination of compassion, guilt, and calling kept him bolted to his chair throughout the night as he dozed in small patches. He valued these small snatches of sleep, for they were the only times his mind could rest. All of his waking hours seemed to blur together, forming a hodgepodge of reasoning, recrimination, and reasoning some more. Okay, Jed. Exhibit A. Sage demonstrates supernatural powers. Exhibit B. The only sources of supernatural powers come from either God or Satan. Exhibit C. God does not melt pop cans with purple lightning. Oh, come on, Jed, take this seriously. He took a deep breath. Okay. Exhibit D. The purple lightning was drawn up from the ground and killed three people. And one pop can. Jed! Exhibit E. Since God doesn't deal with people or pop cans through the means of purple lightning, this can only mean that Sage was using magic. Exhibit F. Magic equals sorcery. 
equals witchcraft equals a tool of Satan. Inevitable conclusion? Sage is a tool of Satan, and you're in league with him, Jed. Jed would bounce from this line of reasoning time and time again, his higher mind knowing that he hadn't been doing anything other than trying to help the old man for the past few days. But with nagging persistence, the obsessive thoughts would return, unbidden and unstoppable. Blessed OCD, thought Jed groggily as he answered his mobile phone in a voice pitched somewhere between Barry White and Yoda. Good morning, Naomi, Jed croaked. Jed, you sound horrible. I love you too. What's up? Ew, I can smell your morning breath through the phone. Naomi. Take it easy, Jed, said Naomi in a slightly wearied tone. I'm just trying to lighten things up. How's our patient? Jed pinched the bridge of his nose. They're not telling me anything. His vitals seem steady, but I don't know how to read this thing. Do you want me to come up? It's your call said Jed wearily. Jed, replied Naomi flatly. This was not the answer she wanted to hear, and Naomi could feel her temper rising as the words courtesy call reverberated in her mind. Why couldn't he just give a rip, or at least act like he wanted to her near him? Was that so much to ask? Rabbit trail, Naomi. After debating with herself for 15 minutes, Naomi had indeed made the short trip from the Matthews home to Mercy Hospital. Why she had finally decided to make the attempt, she wasn't exactly sure of. It certainly wasn't because she felt wanted or needed. Naomi parked the car, walked to the massive, overpaced, revolving entrance door, and made her way to the fourth floor intensive care unit. Ushered to Sage's room by a young nurse in a ponytail wearing the standard issue green hospital scrubs, the woman pulled back the curtain hesitantly and allowed Naomi entrance. Upon entering the room, what she found was a quietly sobbing husband, a flat-lined heart monitor, and an unresponsive old man. Sage was dead. Naomi spent the next 15 minutes trying to console her husband, not from grief over losing someone that he cared deeply about, but rather from the guilt he felt over not leading Sage to Christ when he had the chance. As she reassured, patted, and soothed her conscience-stricken husband, just like a good little pastor's wife, thought Naomi. Inside, she was seething. This is not about you, Jed. Why can't you be sorry for Sage, not for yourself? It's not your job to save the whole world. You're not even concerned about Sage's eternity. You're concerned about your own. You're sorry that you didn't perform well enough and that his blood might be on your conscience. Even your desire to win the lost is all about you, Jed. She almost cursed silently, but checked herself. She knew it was the OCD, but it was so hard to separate the man from the mind. She loved this man, but at times like these, she couldn't stand to be in his presence. Why can't I have a strong husband? Once Judd was momentarily pacified, she was able to haltingly pull him from the events of the last 25 minutes. Sage had indeed awoke briefly from his drug-induced coma, Jed had reassured him of his presence and tried to buzz the nurse, but before he could press the button attached to Sage's bedside, the wizened man had gently laid his clammy hand on Jed's arm and whispered, Abby. 
The word was elongated in such a way that made the B seem to last for three seconds. Abby? Abby, is that what you're trying to say, Sage? Is there someone named Abby you want me to contact for you? Is she your daughter? Sage slowly shook his head, no. Melor. He wheezed in a barely audible voice. Jed had him repeat the word three times, but he still couldn't make any more sense of the two syllables than he had the first time. Melor? Sage, help me out. I can't understand what you're saying. Please try. Sage's grip tightened on Jed's arm, and for one brief moment, his dulled eyes took on a sparkling clarity. He had been born Message Samuel Dort. His mother had given him the peculiar name and the belief that God had, indeed, given her son a special purpose on this earth, as well as a God-given message to proclaim to mankind. The unusual name had been shortened to Sage in his early childhood because his family had deemed Mess to be a completely unsuitable nickname. Sage had never known privilege or respect except among his small family from the South and later where the servants were concerned. Neither had his mind always been unclear, though no one had ever accused Sage of being especially swift on the uptake. It was in adolescence that he had come to him, an old man even then, to show him his unique gift and why it had been given. Long days he spent with the old man, learning, experiencing, and occasionally even cooperating in local adventures. Sage shared his secret with very few in those days, and even those closest to him drove him from their presence eventually, deeming him a freak or some sort of wizard. As an adult, the old monk continued to visit him at various points during his life's pilgrimage offering guidance, providing understanding, and instilling renewed purpose. During those salad days, Sage undertook many an adventure at the cleric's request, traveling abroad, righting wrongs, and standing against those who had distorted the fire into a selfish weapon of control. But despite his affinity for the monk, it was the voice that had so transfixed him. It spoke to him first a short time after the monk had entered his life, and frequently he heard it, welling up from within, but when he did, he was forever changed from that moment on. The voice told him he was loved. The voice told him who it was that was speaking to him, and Sage believed. The voice showed him how to apply his gift, and the very last time it had whispered to him in the night, sixteen years ago, the voice had told him to seek out the one that he loves. As the years passed, Sage's mind had slowed, as had his speech, but a sense of identity and purpose remained. He was a servant. He possessed a gift, and it was time to give what little he had left to give to another. Suddenly, as if from very far away, Sage heard the voice speaking to him once again, unmuted after all these years, and his eyes began to fill with tears. You are my beloved. You have served me well. It is time to come home. As Sage gauged up through tear-blurred eyes at the confused minister standing over him, he realized that it was not only the voice who loved this man. He loved him as well. Like the voices, it was a love born out of compassion for Jed's brokenness, not merit for Jed's worthiness. Let it go and pass the burden. Sage's weak and pale hand tightened briefly on Jed's forearm as it rested on the side rail of the hospital bed, 
and, to Jed's utter surprise, Sage released what little reserves of the fire he still possessed into the young man's shocked, open-mouthed, and wide-eyed body. Jed saw a brief crackling of purple fire leave Sage's hand, travel through his fingertips, then run up his arm and enter his chest in the place where he had always assumed that his heart was. His breath caught momentarily, then both the lightning and the tingling sensation he had felt during its passage disappeared. Jed watched as Sage tried to expel one last word, but failed as his final breath wheezed out of his tortured body. Sage! Jed called out over and over again to the old man, until a nurse rushed into the room, more out of the need to silence the shouting and sobbing visitor than to resuscitate her patient. She knew that Sage was gone. Sage is in hell because of you. You had ample opportunity to lead him to the Lord, but you were either too selfish or too bound up in legalism to lead him to living water. Sage was a magician, a sorcerer, a warlock, an occultist, and you didn't even see it or sense it. Why weren't you prayed up? Why weren't you in the word more? Why didn't you use your last moments with him to help him renounce his agreement with darkness and turn to the light? Sage was in touch with everything you say you stand against. You let him into your church. You exposed your wife to him. How can you live with yourself anymore? How could you ever hope to stand before God knowing that so much blood is on your hands? You could have done more. You should have done more. More was asked of you. More was expected of you. You are such a disappointment, a failure, a hypocrite, a loser, a phony, a powerless, selfish, pathetic excuse for a father, husband, friend, and pastor. Why did you ever think that you could lead others? To whom much is given, much is required, and you have wasted your talent. You will remember this failure and all of your other failures for the rest of your life. Jed awoke with a start. It was 3 a.m., the night of Sage's death, and he remembered every word that the critic had hurled at him in his dream. He believed every one of them. Quietly slipping from his bed and leaving behind his soundly sleeping wife, Jed walked to the door of his garage, opened it, and entered the moonlit, minivaned man cave. Feeling the coolness of the concrete on his bare feet, he walked to his supply cabinet, grabbed his bone-handled hunting knife, and silently exited through the garage's back door into the night, the cool grass tickling beneath his feet. This has been Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 15, Passing, voice acted by Alyssa Sanford, and written and produced by Daniel C. Sanford. For more episodes of Servants of the Secret Fire, please look us up on iTunes, Servants of the Secret Fire, and on servants-of-the-secret-fire.podcast. Co. To follow the journey of Servants of the Secret Fire, please like us on Facebook at Creators Design Media and Twitter at Creators DS Media.
music, and sound effects for this episode were provided by freemusicarchive.com, bensound.com, looperman.org, and freesound.org. Thank you, and please go to iTunes and leave us the best review you can. Stay tuned for episode 16 of Servants of the Secret Fire, brought to you by Creators Design Media.